You're listening to the 202 Studio, a podcast series exploring the creative sparks emanating from the District of Columbia. Throughout the series, we'll be talking with artists, humanities practitioners, organizational leaders, and many others. Individuals working behind the scenes and in the spotlight, in organizations, studios, and workshops in all eight wards. As we explore the heartbeat of DC's arts, humanities, creativity, and culture. To learn more, visit dcarts.dc.gov. Welcome to the 202 Studio. From the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities, I'm Jeffrey Scott. Today we're joined by a playwright whose works have been staged all across the country. She is the founder of Young Playwrights Theater here in Washington, D.C., a founder of the Latinx Theater Commons, and was the first playwright in residence at Arena Stage. Please welcome uh, Karen Zacharias. Karen? Hello, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. So, you were born in Mexico. See. Si. See. And then came to America, uh, studied at Stanford, and became a playwright. So I know your grandfather was in the business, uh, a film director, correct? Correct. Uh, but your, your immediate family, your, your father was a, a doctor. My father is an epidemiologist. He worked on uh, the, he worked for the World Health Organization. He's a public health specialist on the AIDS crisis, which is part of what brought us and kept us in this, in the United States. Uh, we moved here in the late seventies and a disease uh, popped up that was killing gay men and Haitians and nobody knew what it was. And so that, AIDS kind of took the trajectory, the immigration story of my family and changed the direction of that. So how did you, how did you go from, what was it that brought you into the theater then as a playwright? So uh, when we first moved to the United States, I was 10 years old um, and I, we were living in Boston. My father was getting um, a master's at Harvard in public health. He had a scholarship to do that. And as I was walking to school, this really mean boy um, started saying mean things to me, things that not nice things to say to young girls and young Mexicans. And I was flabbergasted. I had nothing to say back. And so I went home and on the way home, I thought of all the snappy comebacks that I could um, come up with. And I decided to write them down because I'd been so uh, flabbergasted by him. And as I started to write them down, I started thinking, well, what about him? Like, what about his backstory? Maybe his parents aren't really good to him or maybe. And so I suddenly created this huge backstory for this bully that was bothering me. So the next time he he yelled at me, I had so much compassion for him. Um, and so I just had, you know, invented the story and, and he became less important and the character that he became in, in my little play became a lot more important. So it became Came, dialogue was for me literally in playwriting literally became a way of coping with a new country, of coping with a new language, of coping with real conflict that I was dealing with in my daily life. And so I started thinking as a playwright at the age of 10. At the age of 10. So you were able to, to put yourself in this other person's shoes, or at least imagine their shoes and create a character from that. That's pretty fascinating for uh, 10 years old, I think. 
Well, you have to think of how I'd never seen snow. I'd never seen a squirrel outside the zoo. I mean, it, coming to going from, going from Mexico City to Boston, what a huge cultural change that was. And um, and it just it's very interesting that my life has become about playwriting because it just goes to reinforce the the humanity of characters and conflict in a sense that I, I didn't know that was what I was navigating. But inst instinctively, that became a tool uh, for me at a very, very young age. I remember in one of my playwriting classes in college, our instructor said, the way to write a play is just put two people in a room and have them start talking and see what happens. And it sounds like the dialogue aspect of it is is very important and the the imagining where they come from and how that feeds into it absolutely i mean i mean the the, the important things with playwriting and and in life are, are character conflict and choice right those are the three things that every human being and every good character in play has to navigate and it you know it helps you figure out whether, you know, and what the consequences of those are. And so uh, it's been a really useful tool. I, I will meet my kids will always say, Mom, you meet someone and then you say, oh, I know what's the next thing's going to happen to this person. And a lot of times you're right. And I go, yeah, because my work is to study character, right? And to see how they navigate choices, et cetera. So it's, it's been, it, I never thought it would have this other side to it. But I mean, a lot of my community work and, you know, activism in Washington, D.C. and on a national level is dealing with the fact that Play, playwriting at the center is a way of bringing people together to have a, a communal conversation about something that's important to the community. It's funny that you mentioned that story about your, your kids and that you know what someone's going to say or how they're going to, because I had that same conversation with someone recently that the benefit of studying theater, studying acting or playwriting is it helps you understand people in a way because you learn about character and you learn about what influences their decisions and things like that. And so you can, it's a different way of relating and seeing individuals around you. Right. You see kind of the backstory and the real story and the, and the possible outcomes um, sometimes all at once. Not so much your own life. It's much easier to look at. Of course. Right? <laughs> but, um, but it is, this, it is this unusual tool that I didn't even know I had, but I started developing at age 10. So, what what prompted the founding of Young Playwrights Theater for you? As you you were starting to do writing in college and after college, and then when you came back to DC. Yes, uh, I after after college, I came here and I worked for um, a nonprofit governmental organization that dealt with democracy and voter disenfranchisement issues in Latin America. So I was working in international relations, which was my major. Uh, but at night, I started taking a class with the Playwrights Forum with Ernie Joslovitz because I was interested in, in staying connected to the arts. Uh, it's the, the town seems so political and the idea of the arts and bringing people together. And I I so enjoyed playwriting and Dr., uh, Mr. So said to me, have you ever thought of going deeper into this? And so uh, I one of my plays was at the Source Festival, and that was a real fun event. And so I took that play and I applied to graduate school uh, and I got in and I got a scholarship to go. And the scholarship was from um, the Smith Foundation and 
the the rule was that I, to get the scholarship, I had to come back to D.C. and use my playwriting for good. And so because I'd been working um, with this organization, um, this endowment with democracy issues, et cetera, I'd learned a lot about disenfranchisement and dialogue building. So I wrote up a plan that became the the blueprint for young playwrights theater, thinking that I would do it on Saturdays in community centers, you know, because I think playwriting naturally uh, tends to open up dialogue and analysis of character and all of those type of things. Uh, but uh, the Smith Foundation was so excited about the proposal, they actually gave me some seed money. And that's how Young Playwrights started. I went over to Fillmore Arts Center and said, and to Bell Multicultural and said, I'll teach playwriting for free. <laughs> uh, can you send me some kids? And they said, sure. And that was in 1995. 95. And then here fairly recently, 2010, Young Playwrights Theater was honored uh, with the uh, presidential Arts and Humanities Award, correct? Yes, from the Obama administration. So we're really uh, proud of that. It, it's an organization that is very effective and uses everybody to its greatest capacity. We hire great playwrights to go into the schools and teach playwriting at the DC public schools. Then we hire actors. We were one of the big, biggest employers of uh, actors of color in Washington, D.C., because we needed that to reflect our student population. And then we got directors like uh, Howard Shawitz and Molly Smith to work with these directors. And so the kids were listened to on a level that they never were. They get, when you get a professional actor reading your work back to you, you feel listened to. And every child that goes through the program gets their play um, heard out loud. And... Um, you know, Don Ursula, Jefferson Russell, I mean, all of these actors who are now getting Helen Hayes Awards, et cetera, uh, started with Young Playwrights Theater. And it was, it's, it was a great, we, did, we toured the city. And that's where I first got to know the DC Commission. The DC Commission supported this crazy idea of Young Playwrights Theater, this small organization run by, you know, a couple of playwrights. Uh, Karen Evans was on board. And from there, we got to have a really great symbiotic relationship uh, with the DC Commission, both for Young Play, Playwrights Theater and then later on for my own individual work as a playwright. So in uh, Young Playwrights, Playwrights Theater, what's, what is the typical age group that, that you work with? Uh, from third grade to high school. So we have, we have it all. We just had um, three series of uh, festivals. We had our elementary school festival at the ARC uh, three weeks ago and the middle school festival. And I think the high school one is coming up. So, and, and you know, the plays uh, deal with it. some, some plays are written by children, but not for children, because they deal with very tough topics. And other ones are, you know, delightful broccoli, a broccoli fighting with a zucchini over, you know, who is a better vegetable. So, which is very intense. Exactly, exactly. And and you've the the curriculum, the the pedagogy of it, you've translated into a book, correct? Yes, it's 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 on a book. It's on Amazon. You can go to our website. Our program has been fermented now in New Orleans and in Texas, and I believe also in Illinois. It's, it's a way of using people who are not working during the, fabulous artists who are not working during the day, who are acting at night to come in. We pay everybody uh, a very, uh, we, we were paying 
all of our actors, even back then, more than some of the equity theaters were over a week because we thought it was really important to honor, to make, give actors a living wage and um, and to honor everybody with it. We, we gave our young playwrights a royalty because thanks to their imagination, all, they would give you know, 15 people work. And so it, 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 the whole premise of Young Playwrights Theater was treating uh, young artists the way we would like to be treated ourselves. And I think that's why we're getting onto our, we're gonna be almost 25 years old. We've weathered a lot of, of, of events and um, still stayed um, active and viable and super effective because the kids, the kids love having us in their classroom. They feel a palpable change in how they see the world and what they're able to do after they read a play, after they feel honored in that way. And not all of our playwrights become playwrights, but they become, you know, uh, connected to their voice. And I think that's a really effective tool for all of our DC constituents. But, uh, so you were the first playwright in residence at Arena Stage. Yeah, that was so cool. That's very cool. So. Yes, so lucky. How was how was that experience? You know, it, you know, to have suddenly a, a major regional theater that's in your backyard say we are going to give you a salary, we're going to give you health benefits, and we're going to support you in what you want to do, um, is is transformative. And I and um, it was out of there that I went back and revisited some of my plays and rewrote them. It was out of there that I got the idea for um, starting the Latinx Theater Commons, which is a national um, network of theater practitioners that want to update the American canon to include the story of, of Latinos. And, you know, I got to work with Molly Smith on a fabulous projects. I got to feel really connected um, uh, to my city in a different way. Uh, Arena Stage, I've been lucky enough to have four of my plays premiere at Arena Stage. And uh, that is transformative for a young Latino playwright um, growing up in the city and you know working as a school teacher half the time. So it, 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 really, it really speaks to investing in not just the projects, but the people that make your community. And so I'm very, very grateful um, for that. And Because the work of a playwright really is, it's solitary work for the, a big chunk of it. I mean, it's, it's akin to a visual artist, like a painter or a sculptor. And as such, there's not, you know, you don't work for a company necessarily a lot of times as a playwright. You're just writing because you have something to write. You have a story to tell, but you got to pay bills, of course. And so for to have an opportunity where you're actually salaried and you're just writing and working with the actors, I imagine gives you a lot more brain time to think about and and craft and all of that. Yeah, your, your bandwidth is is increases expon exponentially. And, you know, I happen to be an extroverted playwright, which is a terrible thing to be because, you know, it makes you sitting at home alone writing very hard, but it's part of the necessary. But but the idea of having a place to go to, having a home. And, you know, I've been lucky that I, I because of YPT and because of my work with Roundhouse and the African Continuum Theater Company and Gala and Imagination Stage and the Kennedy Center, I, I don't like to be boxed in in any way that I, I feel like I'm a member of many different communities. But still, at the end of the day, there is no union 
for playwrights. There is, you know, there's a guild, but it's not the same thing. So, and it's not the same actors go and audition and see each other and they're in a play together. But yes, a, pl a playwright has a very different relationship to uh, the theater community than a director or a designer or an actor. Um, Talk about um, in the late 90s, speaking of this, that there is no, you know, union for playwrights or company that you know, playwrights work for, uh, you yourself were faced with an immigration potentially issue because you were trying to stay in the country uh, with a visa, was that correct? In like 1996, the immigration oh. had changed and it was the artistic exemption, I believe. Yes, 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 sorry. I was, I was like, wait. Um, Yes, so I I became a U.S. citizen not too long ago. Um, but back when I moved to this country, I we came to this country under under a certain kind of visa, and then the U.S. asked my father to stay um, and work here, and so we as a family stayed as well. And then um, after I graduated from college, my family was still here. I lived my whole life here. And they were like, okay, thank you, Karen, you can go back. And I was like, back wh where? Like, this is where I grew up. This is where my parents are. This is where my sister lives. And um, so in the, the sense of like what dreamers are going through, it wasn't exactly the same situation, but that idea of being brought up as a U.S., you know, person and suddenly been told when you're 23 that thanks very much you know, you're, you're going back and, not, and nobody else has to go back, but you do. Um, and so uh, I made the, we made the case that as a playwright, I wasn't taking a job away from anybody, that, I, that nobody else could write my plays except for me. And that, um, in fact, I was providing work by, you know, doing Young Playwrights Theater and writing plays that, you know, were going on. And uh, I think I was the youngest person ever to get uh, the artist's exemption. And I hope the, I hope the country's okay with having kept me because <laughs> I feel like I, I stayed true to my playwriting, uh, playwriting uh, hopes and dreams. Then here recently with the Trump administration and the issues with DACA, uh, you, you responded last year, I think, by opening up rights to one of your plays that deals specifically with the dreamers, right? Yes, I, uh, uh, the Denver Center commissioned me to write uh, an adaptation of Helen Thorpe's book, Just Like Us, which is chronicles the life of four Mexican-American girls growing up in Denver, two who have documents and two who don't, and how that changes their life against the backdrop of the murder of a, a Denver police officer by an undocumented um individual. And so it was a com it's a combustive situation to say the least. And when I when I adapted the play it was a, it was a big big hit in in uh, Denver. Lots of people came as in the major theater. It started all sorts of immigration discussion and I really really thought the play was going to be outdated in a year or two after that. Obama had just come in. We were talking about immigration reform. And sadly, um, as events have come up, the, the play is, is more pertinent and unfortunately more relevant um, than it was even back then, because now 
now dreamers are being actually deported after being promised by the government that that wouldn't happen. So uh, I got so mad. I just wrote on Facebook, anyone who wants to do a reading of this play, do like anything to make discussion. And my agents were like, what? <laughs> but um, they were cool with it. And um, and I think about 70 to 80 readings have happened uh, all over the country from elementary schools to major universities to like Jiva Theater. Um, so uh, the, That's just George, been like the last six, seven yes, months. Yeah, I think. George Mason had a wonderful reading with 26 um, uh, writers. I mean, it's 26 actors. A lot of uh, dreamers have put the play on to have discussions. I know it's going on at San Jose City College. I mean, really, Northwestern, North Carolina. It's It's been really exciting, um, the conversation and the dialogue that it's helped provoke, and hopefully it's helped humanize the, the, humanize the situation in a way that uh, makes people go and vote differently. Have you gotten any feedback from these groups that are doing these readings about what the impact has been on their audience? Yes, I mean, uh, basically they say people have felt heard, um, that the fact that the protagonist is a dreamer um, is, is, is very moving and empowering. And it's also scary because the play actually takes place in, you know, 2008. And here we are 10 years later and things are worse. Um, so there is that reality check too. Your work goes from theater for young audiences to plays with social issues such as this to musicals. What what is what is the common thread in your writing? Is there a common thread? Do you think that you always look for or try to express, or that draws you? Yes, I think the common thread for me is always about uh, a moment of truth and a moment of communion. Whether it's it be we're all laughing together or we're all crying together, um, I'm really I think you can get story anywhere. You can go on the internet and get some kind of awesome story and read it all by yourself. Theater is, people always say, oh, the theater is going to die. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because actually now more than ever, the idea of feeling connected to other people is, is so vital. And so I do hope that people leave feeling connected, like the book club play, right? A comedy about book clubs. Well, what's very charming or reassuring to me is how many people have walked out of that play and started a book club or talked to their neighbor next to them about a book that they that they like and so for me the play isn't just what goes into this on the on on stage it's what happens to the audience later I had someone um just yesterday on Twitter was like, oh my goodness, Karen, I had a native garden situation with my neighbor the other day. And I was like, I'm, first of all, I'm really sorry. It's terrible to be in a fight with your neighbors. But at the same time, I'm delighted that the play kind of took root uh, in a way that it comes back up and another day and people remember like, oh, that, that play, I know I laughed and it was, you know, 
this, but something about it took root. So I'm I'm interested in connectivity. I'm interested interested in interested in building bridges. You know, as a my mother's from Denmark, my father's from Mexico, my great grandfather was from Lebanon. You know, my great grandmother from was from Uruguay. You know, I I was born in Mexico. I moved to the United States and. I feel like I'm always translating, always changing code, and always trying to figure out a way of, of building better communication, both for myself and for others. I'm just interested in leaving any event like this, having known the person who's sitting across from me a little bit better. So there is a thread of understanding, I think, that goes back to when you were 10 years old and had your encounter with your bully. Yes. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. And I mean, I think some people want to be these literary giants and da 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 I am much more interested. I mean, I, sure, I would love to be that, but, but I'm much more interested in the effect of here and now. I mean, theater is so ethereal. It comes up and goes down. And so the, the, the idea of being present in the moment and enjoying that and keeping it as a memory is very intriguing to me. And, and I've read that in the social media age that we live in and people are worried that we are becoming more disconnected from each other, that really the theater is more important because it is a live communion, essentially, of, of community, of people watching other people and sharing an experience. And then, like you say, they talk to each other afterwards, perhaps, or they carry something from that performance with them. Yes, and that's why I, I will always be so grateful to the theater. And I will always be so grateful to Washington, D.C., because I feel that my upbringing, my, my artistic upbringing was here. And the commission gave me grants so I could write and experiment. And, you know, and, and uh, other people gave me opportunities. And I hope in turn that I've been able to give opportunities. But... I think this city as an artistic city is like none other. And I'm really, uh, part of my life's work is to make this an, an, a destination place for the arts and as our museums and as our theater and as our ballet and all of these things are growing. I think we're, we're, we're going to, you know, after New York, I hope we're next in the sense that, and part of that's developing the voice of our artists. Chicago has been good about that. And I think DC is, is not far behind. Is that what keeps you here in DC? Because a playwright, you can work anywhere ostensibly. As a, yeah, it keeps me here, but also my children are, you know, my son goes to the Duke Ellington School of the Arts. My daughters go to, you know, DCPS too. And, you know, we think DC is one of the most interesting, livable, diverse cities in the nation. Uh, we literally, the other day, we went to a Nats game. We were like, wow, we can go to the Nats game. And then the next day, we can go to the zoo and we can bike in Rock Creek. If you st stop for a minute to look at what the city has to offer and appreciate it, it is generous. And also, it's small. It's a small community. I can go to almost any neighborhood. I was here. I saw someone in the street I know. I, you know, I was over in Ancastia not too long ago. I saw, you know, that you, st you, you get to know the city pretty well. And so I feel very, very, for I have a deep love for the city. I think some people have treated Washington, D.C. like the, the hotel room for the nation. And I think for those of us who live in D.C., I mean, there's Washington and there's D.C., we're D.C. And I'm really proud of being a part of that. And so 
is my, you know, my husband and so are my kids. They're born and bred here. And uh, I, they're always like, I hope I'm, I'm able to live here the rest of my life. So, you know. Any advice for young writers or young theater artists that you would impart to them? Yes. I mean, I think the, the most important thing is to really start developing your voice. What do you have to bring to your story that nobody else can bring? And hone in on that. Don't try to be anybody else. Um, second of all, work with your friends. I mean, this is a hard career. It doesn't pay very well. The richness comes from the relationship and the friendships. So write a play and bring your friends over and read it out loud. Like feel that you, not, not someone has to give you the opportunity, create your opportunities and then more will, will come. And then my biggest one is that don't ever get tough. The arts are about resilience. If the moment you get tough and you don't feel the pain and the rejection, you stop growing. Feel the pain, feel the rejection, pick yourself up and start again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use it to inspire the next. Yeah, yeah. But you, you should cry. It's okay. To it's cry. good to cry. It's okay to cry. Cry and try, as we say in my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add? I just really want to say how grateful I am to the DC Commission for supporting artists. I really think we bring um, so much to uh, to the cultural life of the city and for the city to actually recognize that and economically give us a hand and spiritually give us a hand and emotionally, you know, bring us up through these kind of podcasts, et cetera, is, is essential. I mean, the one thing that remains of a city after it's gone is its culture and the fact that you are curating that and encouraging that is not lost upon all of us in the arts. So thank you. Well, thank you for everything that you do and all the other artists in our city. Uh, thank you for being with us and we will look forward to seeing more of you. Thank you. You've been listening to The 202 Studio, a podcast series of the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities. Thanks to the commissioners and staff of the Commission on the Arts and Humanities, the Office of Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment, and special thanks to our mayor, Muriel Bowser, for her support of the Arts and Humanities in the District of Columbia. And thanks to you for listening today. Thank you.